Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Career at UGA podcast. In this week's episode, we will be playing a recording of our most recent weekly meeting talk. Now, if you'd like to come to our weekly meeting that happens each Tuesday at 8 o'clock, we'd love to have you. But right now, spots are still limited. So if you want to come, be sure to sign up using the Eventbrite registration link that you can find every Thursday on our Career at UGA website. Now, on to the recording. We're going to dive into Habakkuk 2 through 3. We're going to wrap up. Uh, this book tonight. But before we do that, will you please pray with me? Jesus, uh, I just pray tonight, God, oh, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would just teach us what it means to embrace the burdens that you show us, what it means to uh, not run away from them, not grow bitter to them, not ignore them, but to embrace them, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that tonight, um, especially just for our students who are in the middle of or who are approaching a war. God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would encourage them as they wait for your answer to war in the waiting. I just pray you'd show us what that looks like tonight in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well guys, like we said before, we've been going through Habakkuk, and by going through, it's, it's only three chapters long, so we've, only, we've been through it once, and we're going to finish it up tonight. Um, guys, just a little bit of context. We talked about this last week. Um, Habakkuk is, in my opinion, and I think it's pretty legitimate opinion, um, it is the most neglected and the most important book of the Bible for Christians. So if you're already, I want to be clear about that, if you're already pursuing Christ, if you're already in a relationship with him, just show of hands, we did this last week, I just, I love being interactive, show of hands, um, who here has ever listened to a sermon besides last week on Habakkuk? A talker, okay, so there's one hand, cool. Who here's ever done like a deep Bible study of it? Perfect. Oh, one, two hands, and one of them was crew daddy in the back. Okay, so one of, one of them's been pursuing the Lord for longer than most of us have been alive, and, and so, yeah, just case in point, most neglected book in the Bible. Um, this is one of the shortest and by far one of the most neglected books in the Bible, at least in the 21st century, in terms of teaching, and I hate that, or I grieve that, because it's also probably the single most important in terms of central message you could ever have as a young Christian. See, the message of Habakkuk, we talked about this last week, in chapter 1, verse 1, it lines up everything that's going to happen and what this book is about and why it's so important for your life. So for those of you who are note-takers, for those of you who've forgotten, for those of you who are are ready, remember this. The first line of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 1, says this. The burden... Some translations will say the oracle, but the burden, that's, the, that's like the Hebrew word. This burden that the prophet Habakkuk was shown by God. Some translations say shown by God. Some say, translations say Saul. Some translations just say shown and end it there. But the burden the prophet Habakkuk was shown. Let me break that down and why that tells you everything you need to know about we're talk- what we talked about last week and what we're talking about tonight. See, that burden, that oracle, that burden is just a heavy weight that you have to wrestle through. It's your family that are, that are lost. It's your friends that you see running away from the Lord. It's that fraternity, sorority that you're desperate to change 
because you see what's going on and it's broken. It's the injustice that you see in the world. Racial, racial injustice, poverty, hurting, aching, anxiety. It's the cultural norms that you know should not be normal. It's these burdens, these heavy things that God, it says in that first sentence, God actually shows you, God gives to you, God places on you for a reason, for a purpose, to participate in changing them. You're given burdens. If you follow the Lord for any amount of time, you will be given a burden, an oracle from the Lord. And it says in that first sentence again, it's prophetic, the prophet Habakkuk. Prophetic, prophecy, prophet, that word, it sounds really fancy and spiritual. It literally just means this. A prophet or a prophetic moment or a prophecy is a conversation between a human being and God, and God where the human being says something or God says something and the human being says it back or God says it back. It's a back and forth between God and someone. That is literally what the Hebrew word kohen, the word for prophet, means. It means someone or a moment when God says something and people say something back, or someone says something to God and they wait and they hear something back from him. And it says in the New Testament, Jesus says all of his followers will be marked by being prophetic. When we hear that, you know, last week there was, I, was, I was talking with y'all, I know we got, some, we got some house church folk, we got some grace people, we got some of y'all from charismatic backgrounds like me. Y'all know, like, when you hear, like, prophetic, you're like, oh my gosh, open heaven, we're going to have some crazy experience, someone's going to be going, falling out in the spirit. No, that is prophetic, kind of, sort of, if it's healthy. But what the word prophetic means is not this crazy spiritual encounter where I'm seeing vision. Sometimes that's what it's like. But sometimes, sometimes it's seeing the future. Sometimes it's crazy and weird. Sometimes there's a miracle involved, but most of the times, if you actually read scripture, most of the prophetic moments that prophets embark on are just them having a prayerful conversation between them and God and bringing it to other people. So it's this burden that we prophetically approach, we prayerfully approach, and then it says that the name of this prophet was Habakkuk. All right, we talked about, we joked about this a little bit, slash talked about it, right? It's a chet, not a hey, which in Hebrew you say ch, so it's Habakkuk, not Habakkuk, but don't worry about it, you guys are English speakers, so it's not that important. But if you want to impress your Jewish friends, if you want to sound, like, if you're ever talking to a rabbi, and you're like, well, in the book Habakkuk, he's going to be like, oh, shalom, I can have a conversation with this Christian. Just, I'm, I'm dead serious, y'all. You ever meet an Orthodox Jew, you want to win them over, just say something with a chet in it and say it right, they'll, you'll love, they'll love you. Just from experience. My middle name's Goldman. Jewish people, we love it. So you guys, you will impress your Jewish friends. You'll bring them to the Lord that way. I'm kind of joking and I'm kind of serious. Um, but this book, Habakkuk, that name literally means the one who embraces. The embracing one. And if you want to know what an embrace is, like we think of it kind of as a hug. But what it is, it's grabbing something and not letting it go not letting it go. And so if you want to know the whole reason, why are we diving into this book? Why are these three chapters of scripture? Why would someone come up here and tell me this is the most important message I will ever hear as a young Christian? Again, not the most important book in the Bible, but the most important book for a young Christian that you will read in the Bible. Why would I come up to you and tell you that? It's because this, God is going to give you burdens. He's going to place people places, organizations, cultures, realities 
on your heart and they will burden you. And you will be called to prophetically, prayerfully interact with God and war for them. War for them. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. But you're not going to just be called to like help out. But you are going to be called to war for them in prayer and in sacrifice. And when you are prophetically called to war for them, you will have to learn to embrace them. And you are going to be tempted by Satan and by the world and by the very people and places, including yourself, that you are called to, that you're burdened for. You are going to be tempted to run away, to become bitter, to become cold, to give up, to turn a blind eye, to numb yourself. But if you want to follow Jesus, you will have to. I didn't say you will want to. I said you will have to embrace them. That's why it's so important. The word Christian means Christ follower. One of the only times in Scripture Jesus actually says, follow me, except for two disciples that he's calling out of their lives. Well, the only other time he really says, follow me, is when he's preaching and he says, if you want to follow me, the word Christian means follower of Christ, if you want to be a follower, if you want to be a Christian, he says, take up your, cro- your cross. He says, embrace your burden and follow me sacrificially. If you want to be a Christian, this is what you will have to do. That's why I'm telling you guys, young Christians, I'm assuming the vast majority of you know the Lord. If you don't, this, there will be some nuggets in this for you, I promise. But if you are, which I'm assuming the vast majority of you are, you need to hear this. God has burdens for you. I said burdens for you. That he will lay on you. He will show you. When he does, you will be called not to run away from them, not to numb yourself, not to be burdened or bitter. Grow sick of your burden, become bitter. You will be called to embrace them. That's what this is all about. Now, we talked about what actually happens in the story. Uh, quick context. This guy, Habakkuk, he's this prophet. And he's living during the time when this king, Josiah, has just died. This king, Josiah, was known as one of the holiest men in the entire Old Testament. He was the king without any idols. He's known as the most holy leader, at least political leader, in all of Israel's history. Loved the Lord like almost no one else in history. And led this huge revival, but as soon as he dies, he dies in his mid-30s, he dies very, very early. His life is cut very, very short, and it's a very tragic moment in Scripture. Uh, Immediately, the people start to pursue all this evil stuff. They are destroying themselves, sin like we really don't quite understand. They're worshiping gods that involve child sacrifice. They're burning their babies on altars. They are uh, committing incredibly unholy acts in the middle of the temple while people are trying to worship God. They're also having orgies, while people to to Asherah, which was another one of the gods, they're uh, literally cutting themselves on these mountains to this god named Baal. And he's seeing this, and he cries out, God, I need you to bring justice. He cries out, how long, Lord, are you going to bear this? And God says, don't worry, I'm going to answer your prayer. Exceedingly and abundantly beyond what you asked or imagined. You guys have probably heard that phrase from Ephesians. It comes from this Habakkuk 1.5. It comes from this chapter, this first chapter of Habakkuk. And he says, don't worry, I'm going to a- answer you beyond what you expect. I'm going to bring a h- evil people in, and they're going to destroy and enslave your people. That'll fix the injustice. 
He prayed and got answered. Bigger than he'd hoped, a little too big. A little too big. God is going to answer your prayers, guys. Sometimes you'll get exactly what you prayed for and more. So what does he do, right? Prophetic moments, right? He prays, God answers. He doesn't stop praying because the burden's not done. He begins chapter 2 by crying out to God, and he doesn't stop crying. He's like, okay, cool, we're enslaved, but here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to stop, God. So I want to bring you guys back. We talked about this a little bit at the end, but we're going to do, again, a quick review of the beginning of chapter 2, and then we're going to go through to the end, okay? You guys with me? Quick response? Okay, cool. Right? This is the embracing prophet. So we're in this moment of crisis. Habakkuk's gotten an answer to his prayer. It was a little too good. And here's what he says. We're in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I will take my stand at the watch post. I'll station myself on the tower. I will look and see what God will say to me and what I will answer, what he will answer concerning my complaint. Right? He gets this answer. These Chaldeans, these Babylonians, this very evil, very violent nation comes in and just destroys his people, takes them away in slavery. And he's enslaved and he's sitting there saying, God, what are you going to do? This wasn't exactly what I prayed for. You're a God who's bigger than this, so what are you going to do? He cries out at one point, he says, God, you're everlasting to everlasting. He says, you're eternal, you're good, you're bigger than this. So why isn't this the kind of good that I've heard you, you are? And he cries out in this moment. Now there's two things I want you guys to notice what he does. There's two things I want you to notice, right? We're entering into this prophetic moment. We're burdened and we're praying. There's two things Habakkuk does that I want you guys to take note of. The first is this. He says this, I will take my stand at the watch post. I'll station myself on the tower. Now, those are military terms, just so you guys know, right? He goes to pray again. He's already prayed. He's gotten an answer. It wasn't what he wanted, so he goes back to pray, and when he prays, he says, I'm going to take my war station, like my battle post. This is the same kind of language you'd hear an archer who's about to, like, shoot down at people. He says, I'm going to go up to the tower, I'm going to get ready to launch, and I will wait. So the first thing he says, is he uses battle terms. He says, I'm going to go to war. We're going to talk about this a little bit, guys, later, but hold on to this for those of you who are note takers. This is one of the things I want you guys to walk away from with this phrase written on your hearts. The war is in the waiting. The war is in the waiting. See, Habakkuk goes up to this spot where he's going to pray to God. He brings it to him, and then he says, okay, I'm going to get ready for battle. And then he says, I'm going to wait and look out and wait for what you're going to say to me. He prays these prayers, and then he doesn't just quit. He doesn't walk away. He waits. And guys, that moment of waiting Again, we're going to talk more about this, but I'm just going to begin by telling you guys this. If you've ever been praying for anyone in your entire life, if you've ever been praying for any change in your life, if you've ever been burdened before and you've really prayed for it, there's going to come a moment where you don't have anything left to say, where you've given everything you have and it still hasn't changed. That, that moment is the hardest that waiting moment. Because you're going to be called to take a posture, a posture like this, a posture of battle where you can't do anything but wait. 
a posture where you're just sitting there like, God, what's you going to do? And God's not going to, he's going to hold it for a pause. He's not going to do anything immediately. Sometimes he might, but nine times out of ten, if you're really called to burden, you're going to just sit there waiting. And you are going to be in that moment tempted to do all the things I just said. You're going to be tempted to walk away, tempted to become bitter, tempted to leave, tempted to go numb. That's the moment where you wait. And the war, that hardest moment, if you can hold out, the war is in the waiting. There's one other thing I want to make, make note of. See, he takes this posture of waiting, and this is what he does. He goes in and he can endure that moment of waiting, that moment of like, God, I've done everything and it's still not changing. That moment of I prayed every prayer and it's still not bending. This is still not breaking. What do I do, God? I've got nothing left. He endures it because of what he says at that end. He says, I will look out and see what God will say to me. I will answer concern, what he will answer concerning my complaint. Now, I want to just break this down for what it says in the Hebrew. It's not actually that long of a phrase in Hebrew. It literally just says this. I will wait for the words he will say to fix me. I will wait for the words he will say to fix me. If you really want to enter into the waiting and you want to make it through, again, this is what you're going to be called to, young Christians, this waiting, this burden. If you want to wait it through, it is a battle because you have to go in with two things. The first is an expectation that God will be effected by your prayers, with an E. God will be effected with your prayers. That word effect means to form into action. You have to know, even while you're waiting, God is on the move. He responds to your prayers. The prayers of a righteous person, and again, this is primarily to Christians. If you are a Christian, you are made righteous by the blood of the Lamb and the word of testimony. You have righteousness of God inside of you. If, you. if that is really you, if you are a Christian, a Christ follower, and you enter in this moment, your prayer is going to be powerful and effective. Nothing, it says in Corinthians, every labor, not a single labor of yours is done in vain. Every labor you do in the Lord produces fruit, even when you can't see it, especially when you can't see it. You have to hold in that waiting moment knowing God is effected, opened up, moved by your prayers. You also, though, he says this, right? The words you will say that will fix me. You have to know you will effect God with your prayers. He is going to affect you with an A. To be affected means to be changed, means to be transformed. Habakkuk goes in and he expects God to change his heart. He says, I don't understand why you answered this way. I don't understand why it's getting worse. I don't understand why it's getting darker, but I understand you are going to move and I understand you're going to change me to be ready when you do. You have to have that. Guys, gals, you have to have that if you want to war through your waiting. And then he says this, Chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, if you guys can put it up. This is literally my favorite verse, probably. Like, this is one of my heart verses, guys. This is probably my favorite verse in Scripture, give or take one or two. I might cry as I'm sharing it with y'all. He says, watch or write down this vision. Make it plain on tablets that a herald can run with it. 
For this revelation waits an appointed time. It speaks to the end, and it will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will surely come to pass, and it will not tarry. It's a very fancy King James Version. I've memorized it in an old fancy way. What that means is very simply this. He says, write down the revelation. Write it down what I'm going to give you. Write down how I'm going to break through. Make it plain on tablets. Make it easy to read that anyone can understand that you will remember it. He says, remember this. Don't lose it. Remember this. Don't lose it. Your breakthrough, the revelation, I'm going to move and it's coming. I've already appointed the time. It's already on its way. Your breakthrough is on its way. It's got its set time and it won't be false. I'm not a liar. I'm not lying to you. You will see your breakthrough. And he says, even if it takes a long while, even if it lingers, even if you have to war in the waiting, wait for it, because it's surely going to happen. It won't be late. It won't be late. See, the book of Habakkuk begins, we talked about verse 1. Verse 2 is this prayer. Habakkuk says, how long, O Lord? How long do I have to pray? How long do I have to fight? How long do I have to work How long do I have to be burdened till you come through? You guys ever prayed that prayer? I know y'all have. How long do I have to struggle with this? How long do I have to fight for them? How long do I have to forgive them? How long, O Lord, till you fix this? How long do I have to see this in the streets? How long do I have to watch this on the news? How long do I have to wake up every morning to this? thing, this burden that you've shown me. God responds in verse 2-3 with how long can you wait? I know you guys have all prayed this prayer at some way and I know you guys will all pray it again. I promise you, you will all pray it again. How long, O Lord? His answer is how long can you wait? How long can you take it? When I was a freshman in college, had a great year, uh, joined a prayer ministry, um, was praying a lot for a lot of things, especially for my fraternity. Um, It's just crying out. There were a lot of guys in my fraternity who thought they were Christians and weren't pursuing the Lord, didn't have any depth of relationship with Jesus. There were even more who weren't pursuing him at all, and I was just crying out for them. Uh, And in the middle of the summer, my God family's all African, and so I was out visiting their tribe, visiting our tribe. And um, uh, in the middle of this visit, um, one night, God just kind of showed up. Had a really intense encounter with the Holy Spirit. God just showed up in the room. And kind of had this weird back and forth with Jesus. And uh, he was just kind of like, hey, son. I was like, hi, God. I was having this really intense spiritual conversation. Wasn't used to this. I was like, whoa, this is kind of fun. And uh, he said, hey, you've been praying some really big prayers been praying for revival and your fraternity, you've been praying for all these guys, and I was like, oh God, you think my prayers are big, huh? You know, and right when I thought like, oh wow, here's it, God was like, how far, he got very serious, he said, how far are you willing to go, how much are you willing to give to see those prayers become reality? I about lost it. This is the question God asks Habakkuk. It's the question he's asking all of you, and it's the question he will ask all of you at some point. How much are you willing to sacrifice? How long are you willing to wait? How long are you willing to war in the waiting? 
to see your prayers become reality. You ask me how long, I'll ask it back. You ask God how long, and I promise you he will ask it back. It's not a bad prayer. Actually, it's a holy one. You should ask it. But remember, he's going to ask it right back to you. How long, O Lord? Well, how long can you endure? And we get this answer here in 2, 4 through 6, right? He says, how long, O Lord? God asks him, how long? It's coming, I promise. He says, it's coming, I promise. But then he says this, right? He says, hey, I'm going to show you. This revelation is going to happen. Let me show you what's going to look like, and let me show you what you need to pray into. He says, behold, his soul's puffed up. It's not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine's a traitor, the arrogant man who's never at rest. His greed is wide as Sheol, like death. Sheol means hell, guys. His greed is as wide as hell, like death. He never has enough. He gathers for himself all the nations and collects his own peoples. Shall not all these take up the taunt against them with scoffing and riddles for him and say, woe to you who heaps up what's not your own for how long and loads yourself with pledges? Okay, that sounds really poetic. That sounds really weird. We don't really understand. We don't talk like that anymore. Let me tell you guys what he basically explains. First, God says, hey, right at the end of two, two through three, he promises, he says, hey, people die, but prayers never die. Your prayers are going to be answered. How long can you wait for it? And then he says, and here's why. Here's what to pray into. He doesn't tell them, pray for your people. He doesn't mention I- anything about Israel in this. He doesn't say, pray against these people. He just says, here's the deal. Pray and trust and hold on and cling to me. Let me explain what I mean. See, in that verse 5 through 6, right, four, at the end of 4, 5, and 6, he talks about this puffing up, right, the puffed up one. He's talking about the Babylonians. He's talking about these people who have literally just destroyed, swarmed in, destroyed Habakkuk's people, and Habakkuk's saying, like, when are you going to fix this, God? How are you going to fix this? And God says, don't worry. It's my nature to fix things. See, puffed upness, that word, right? he says this in, in verse 4, he says, behold, his soul is puffed up. It's not upright, but the righteous will live by faith. That verse 4, he's basically breaking it all down there. See, he says, hey, here's the deal with pride. Here's the deal with the pride of these people. He says, pride puffs you up. That word puffed up literally means to be like an ulcer. It's like this growth. It's literally talking about cancer. Cancer is a terrible and violent and evil thing. It's growth that literally, literally expands in such an unhealthy way that it destroys you from the inside out. He says, pride is like a cancer. I love my creation. You're all masterpieces. But when you grow yourselves, it's cancer to your soul, and it will eventually kill itself. He says, so don't worry about them. I'll, their own stuff will deal with them. But he says this, and your righteousness, he says, if you're righteous... He says, you'll live by faith. You guys ever heard a a verse like that before? You guys ever heard the righteous will live by faith? Right? Live by faith and not by sight. Live by faith. That's a phrase we use all the time. We're always quoting Habakkuk. It's in the New Testament a bunch. They're quoting Habakkuk. That word faith, though, doesn't actually mean faith in the Hebrew. It's not the word for faith, or at least not the normal one. The word that they use is emuna. Everyone say emuna. Emuna. Yeah, you got to ooh with it. You got to roll with it there. All right, emuna literally means to grab hold and not let go. So it says the righteous will grab hold of me and not 
let go. He says, here's the deal. Can you wait for it? If you work in your own power in this waiting, and if you, like these people who came in and destroyed you and brought justice but brought it in a very bad way, if you do it in their way, if you try and fix it on your own, if you just try and wait, if you try and turn away, it is going to make you proud. It's going to puff you up. It's going to grow like, a, just like something really unhealthy and really sick in your soul, and it's going to kill you from the inside out. But if you hold, if you grab hold and you don't let go of me, you'll live. You'll live. But the righteous will live by their holding fast, by their faith. And he puts these two opposites up. And then he talks about what that justice is going to look like all through chapter 2. We don't have time to dive into it. But he just basically talks about what it's going to look like when he brings this justice. What it's going to look like for these people to destroy themselves because of their pride. What it's going to look like for him and for those who hold fast to him to watch him save them because they're holding fast to him. And then he gets to this third chapter, this last chapter of Habakkuk. And he just stops, cold turkey. And this last chapter of Habakkuk, this last prayer, it's just a quick prayer. And there's only uh, one thing Habakkuk brings up. He begins and he ends this quick prayer. And he just says this at the beginning. If you guys will put verse 2 up there. Right, it says, O Lord, I've heard the report of you. Your works, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. And then he goes on. In wrath, remember mercy. And then he goes on and on and on and on for 15 verses. And what he brings up in every single one of those verses, it might sound kind of violent. I see some of you guys scanning them. I love that. Please keep scanning them. If you read through them, they sound, some of those sound really violent. Some of those sound really intense. They sound really weird. There's all this epic imagery. Each one of those is a reference to a miracle in the Old Testament. He references the parting of the Red Sea. He references the day when God made the sun stand still so the people of God could win a victory militarily that was impossible. He references when God sent down hail on his enemies so they won a battle without ever drawing a sword. He references time and time and time and time and time. Again, 15 verses, 15 examples, over and over and over and over again of God breaking through for his people. And he does it, right, because of what he says in that verse 2. I've heard report of you. I've heard what you've done. I've been praying to you. I've been prophet, pro prophetically praying to you. I've been crying out to you. I've endured this burden. I've waited because I heard about you. Because I've read in your word what you can do. And he gives example after example after example. I heard you can do this for us. I heard you can do that for us. I heard you can do this for us. I heard you can do that for us. In Hebrews 13, 7 through 8, guys, it says this. It says, remember those in Scripture. It says, remember your fathers or remember your parents in the faith. It's talking about the people in Scripture. It says, remember those in Scripture, the ones who wrote down words of life for you. Consider the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. Imitate their grasping. Imitate their not letting go. And it says this in verse 8, because Jesus Christ 
is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What he did in this book, what he did in these 66 books of Scripture, he wants to do for you. If you want to endure the waiting, if you want to war through the waiting, if you want to see your revelation, if you want to see your breakthrough, remember, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. That healing that you're praying for, if he did it for the bleeding woman, he can do it for you. Those friends that you're crying out for, if he did it for the friends of the paralytic, when they broke through the roof, he will do it for you when you give everything you have, when you break the roof off to bring them face to face with Jesus. If he did it for them, he will do it for you. If he parted the Red Sea for them through an impossible circumstance, he will make a way through your impossibility. If he did it for them, Lord, I've heard report of what you've done. Renew those works in my day. And what God is praying, what Habakkuk embraces is this question, how long can you wait to see them? How long are you willing to pray? How far are you willing to go to make your prayers a reality? How far are you willing to open your heart up for God to move? How far can you say, how long can you say, show me how you're going to correct me. Show me how you're going to fix me. Show me the words to change me till you see those works renewed in your life. How far? And he ends this prayer after 15 long examples. My man Habakkuk knows his Old Testament. He ends it with verse 16. He says, I hear this, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness, that means exhaustion, like death enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. But I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. I am dying. I am terrified. This is going to kill me, but I'll wait to see you work. It's going to kill me, but I'll wait for it. Even if it kills you, will you wait for it? Will you war in the waiting? Will you war in the waiting? There's this last couple of verses in Habakkuk. I want to read them for y'all. Even if the fig tree never blossoms, if fruit never reaches the vine, if all my olives never produce anything, even if my fields never have a harvest, even if my flocks are cut off from me, even if there's no herd in my stall, if I produce nothing, if I win nothing, if this achieves nothing, if this goes nowhere, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God who saved me. For God the Lord, he's my strength. He makes my feet like a deer's. He makes me tread. He lifts me up to the highest places. It ends with Habakkuk saying, even if I never see the answers to my prayer, I will still praise. I will still pray. I will still fight because God has saved me. You might have heard this phrase. It became super popular in the middle of COVID. Eternal perspective. This is eternal perspective. The God who saves me. Remember your ending. Remember the ending of your story is heaven. That's what true joy is. Joy is experiencing heaven remembering your end, 
even when you're working through hell. And if you have a burden from the Lord, believe me, you will work through hell. You will wait and you will war. But it will be worth it. But it will be worth it. I remember uh, after having that experience in Africa, I came back. And y'all, to make a very long story short, my greatest wound, my greatest insecurity was being rejected. I uh, had been really lonely through high school. And even though my fraternity wasn't perfect, uh, I was really excited to have people who would really accept me again. They gave me a bid. I thought, wow. Um, and that semester, the more I prayed, and the more I fought, and the more I tried to do evangelism, the more and more and more rejection I experienced. That first semester was brutal. Faced my worst fears then. Until the end. Over Christmas break, I was happened to like just meet up and bump into one of the freshman in my fraternity, and ended up having an opportunity to pray over him. He had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, had a healing experience, had a miracle happen, went to the house that same, that next semester, and actually was in the middle of talking with someone who was an atheist and with someone who wasn't really pursuing the Lord, and just all of a sudden had this feeling, was like, hey, can I, can I pray over you? And all of a sudden, God healed this guy of like a chronic illness right then in front of this atheist, and all of a sudden, there was all this talk, and all of a sudden, God started to do things, and there was a guy who was struggling with alcoholism, all of a sudden, quit cold turkey, and joined a ministry, and became a leader in a ministry, and over, and over, and over, and over again, I just saw people start to follow the Lord, and it was very long, and it was very hard. I'm making it sound like overnight it got fixed. It got worse at times. It was a burden. It was a war. It was a lot of waiting, but I remember getting to senior year. We've got some seniors who are about to graduate. I remember getting to senior year and looking out at my last chapter meeting and seeing over a third of the fraternity pursuing the Lord. I remember thinking this, and I want to leave you with this, this word that the Lord gave to Habakkuk. This word the Lord gave to Habakkuk. If you wait, if you embrace your burden, it will cost you more than you think you can bear. I promise you. It will cost you more than you're comfortable giving. It will cost you so much that if you really stick it out and look back on it, you will say, if I really knew what you were asking me for, like Habakkuk, I wouldn't actually have gone through with it. It will cost you more than you think you can bear. But he will bring you through, and it will be worth it. Watch the revelation. Make it plain on tablets that a herald may run with it. This revelation waits an appointed time. It speaks to its end. It will not be false. Though it takes longer than you want, though it takes more than you're prepared to give, wait for it. War and waiting. Wait for it. It will surely come to pass. And it will be worth it. Let me pray for y'all. Jesus, um, God, we thank you even though it cost so much. God, we thank you for the burdens that you place on us, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to be like you, to take up our crosses and follow you. I pray for each and every one of the students in this room who is following you, Jesus. I pray, God, that they would just be able to supernaturally, by your grace, embrace the crosses that you give them to bear. I pray they carry them following you. I pray, God, that you would show them their revelation. I pray for breakthrough in your mighty name, Jesus, for each and every one of them. 
for each and every one of their crosses, for each and every one of their burdens. And I pray, God, that they would know that it is worth it. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.